When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Relationship Theory. I'm your co-host Tom Bilyeu and I'm here with my beautiful wife who I had a very lovely weekend and especially evening with last night. Lisa Bilyeu, what is up? Hello, baby. How are we doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. And you have a topic. Oh, do we have any um, shout outs or anything that we're supposed to be doing? Uh, So first of all, by the way, thank you guys for showing up to the live feed and um, we don't have a great question for you this morning, uh, like a simple question, but we do want engagement in the feed. So drop in a hello, say hi to somebody else in the comments, say what is up. Um, All that good stuff is uh, very, very helpful. And to everybody that answered whether they were in a relationship or not last week, thank you guys so much. It was actually fun to read through those comments. Mm. And there were a lot of people, not a lot, but there were enough people that had had um, a high school relationship or knew somebody that had been in a very long-term relationship with yeah, somebody since that was high school. Interesting. Um, that I won't say it gave me pause because I want a much larger data sample, but it was cool to see that there are people that have made it work. I just thought of a question that's actually quite interesting. Break it down. Um, if you're in a relationship, what year in that, so let's say you've been together for two years, what um, year um, what has been the most difficult so far? All right, like year think, one, year three, yeah, year 10. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm really curious to know, like, do people find more trouble in a relationship at the beginning because they're tr- still trying to discover each other mm-hmm. or later on because you have an expectation and things change over time? That is a very interesting question. Yeah. You're chuffed with yourself. I am kind of chuffed, one. yeah, I that was last minute it. thought. Thank nice, you. it was good stuff. Um, all right, so yeah, I um, wanted to talk to you today, actually. So we had a question which actually spun the idea mm-hmm. Um let me find it. Um, okay. Um, what this are your... is the actual question or this is the topic? So it's the topic really. So yeah. basically it was based on communication techniques. Okay. And what communication techniques do we use um, that we find the most effective? Mm-hmm. And we actually have a great example that happened recently where um, I think that it actually took our relationship to the next level because we really kind of tried something new and ended up, uh, I think coming out pretty good nice so do you want to explain it well the way so i know what you're talking about but the way that you um phrased it i actually want to make sure that you're talking about when we took you off the pill correct yeah so um that was a it's interesting how like code words and things like that like really (laughs) matter uh to make sure that i understand what you're talking about so um in trying to solve lisa's microbiome issues which oh man it is a very complicated process Um, researching, 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 and come across somebody saying, oh, and by the way, um, no, in fact, back up. So it was going through the Viome test that we had done with you, and the woman that we were talking through the results with said, um, had asked a question about your estrogen levels. 
and I yeah said, she said do you eat you eat a lot of soy, soy. that's what and it I was. was like do i eat a lot of soy which no the answer is very much not and the reason that she was asking about that is because of your estrogen levels right. and that you had um, markers for somebody that has a that you're processing a lot of estrogen and which normally would come from soy which is why she asked that mm. so then i thought okay wait a second could it be that you're on the pill um, which, you know, obviously is estrogen in and of itself. And so, I've been on the pill since we met. Yeah, so for a very long time. And she said, oh, yeah, like if you're on the pill, that can also be very disruptive. So we said, okay, let's take you off the pill. I'd actually had an alarm going off for like a year saying like we should really find that path to getting you off the pill just because staying on it for long term, anything exogenous makes me tense. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we decided, okay, we'll just take you off the pill. And I said, now you're going to like, whenever you're messing with your hormones, like it's going to get weird for a minute. And so you're going to go through, you're going to get very emotional. I'll just like put it out there nice and simply. You're going to get very emotional. You're going to react to things um, in a very exaggerated fashion. That is the way that the brain responds to that. I mean, you're, you're literally, it's an endocrine disruption. So your body has gotten used to having this influx of exogenous, um, hormones, it's going to stop. And so that's going to create some weirdness. And so just be prepared for that. Like if you're having an exaggerated response, if you feel overly emotional, like whatever, mm -hmm. that you can't necessarily trust that. And yeah. you can't just react based on that because it's going to feel very different. Like whatever's happening is going to feel very different to you than it will to me on the outside. So yeah, and when you said that, because I don't consider myself very emotional, um, when you said that, I thought, oh, yeah. Oh no, I can handle it. Like it's not going to be a big deal. Um, and then I started getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and here's here's the important thing is that so as I started to feel emotional, and it wasn't even like I was just I was working one day and I burst into tears. Right? It's never that obvious. It's like certain things that you were saying to me started to offend me, and certain phrases you were doing, and like you'd walk past me and like, oh, I'd go to give you a kiss, and you'd be working so you wouldn't respond back, and I started like taking that like to heart, and I was like, I can't believe you didn't kiss me, you know, like or kiss me goodbye because you were leaving or something. You didn't say goodbye. Was that real? Was what real? The no kiss goodbye. Yeah, you, you were like, you were in a rush and you just walked out the door and I was like, did he leave? But you've done that a million times though, babe. So it's not like, it's something that should have bothered me. Sure. But for whatever reason, it's not like I told myself, oh, you've done this a million times before. It was just in that moment, I just had that emotion. Where I was like, wow, he didn't even say goodbye. So all these little things throughout like the last couple of weeks have like really been like building up, but I don't actually realize it's my emo, like it's a, um, a reaction to a change in my hormones because it's not, like I said, it's not like all of a sudden I'm just crying. It's the little subtle things that I started getting offended by and feeling neglected by you. And I didn't really put anything together in my head. So I just got really upset with you. And then one day I just said to you, like, I'm really upset. And you were like, what the hell? Why are you upset? And so we sat down and I laid everything out. Very, and I felt so like, rightly so like yes this is what you did and you've you've done wrong I mean I didn't say it like that but it definitely was you I'm felt going justified yeah I felt very justified yep. in feeling like you weren't paying attention and all your focus now is just 100% into work instead of it being a portion of it and I felt completely justified and so I'm sitting down with you and I'm going through all these things and I wasn't crying I wasn't over exaggerating my like I was I just felt very um what was the word you just said 
justified. Yeah, I felt very justified. And so I said it very calmly with you. It wasn't like I was like getting like crazy and shouting at you. It was like very calm. So I thought because I was calm, I wasn't emotional. And then you turned around to me and you said, do you remember when I said that you will get emotional? Now, in that moment that you said it to me, I, of course, wanted to push back and go, but I'm not emotional. Like, this is actually what you did. And then I stopped myself. Or I think I actually may not have stopped myself. I think I may have actually <laughs> have, like, fought back a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he sweet? You didn't argue with that. But you, 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 uh, so yes, I, I was getting a little emotional as I'm describing it and saying, you know, you upset me and I don't feel like I'm, you know, in your thoughts anymore. And as I'm saying it, like, I'm not, again, I'm not screaming or anything. And when you very calmly said, baby, like, this is what we had prepared for. Like, we had spoken about that this is going to be a potential. And in those moments, and I don't know if other women can relate to this, but in those moments, like, when someone says you're just being emotional, it's your hormones, you want to fight back and say, stop using that as an excuse, as a defense mechanism, right? Stop deflecting. Right? Stop trying to blame me that it's my emotions. No, you actually did this. That was what I wanted to say. And then it hit me, the thing that we have kind of agreed upon, you know, years ago, where it's like the, we call it, what is it, the, um, God, the anorexic, uh, what do you, the phrase you use? Well, so we've always codenamed it. Codenamed like, it. Act like, you have to, we don't have a tight way of saying it, so it's always... I know that I would make an amazingly good anorexic. So I have said to you in the past, like... And what do you mean by that? Because that's... That I have the discipline to get myself in trouble. Right. So when it comes to dieting, I used to be 60 pounds heavier. And so when I was dieting, it was very easy for me to um, just not eat, not eat, not eat. I could skip the meals. I could do all the suffering, all of that. Right. And those are incredibly powerful things. And I love that about myself. I'm very proud of that. But I know that there's also a point where you you have the mentality of an anorexic, where you can no longer see what the outside world sees. So you become very obsessed with a thing, right? Not eating, getting skinny, um, like whatever it is that an anorexic is obsessing over. And I remember looking at an anorexic because, you know, we were in the health field. So this was like a very natural thing for me to be looking at. I'm looking at it and going, oh, dear God, like they... They're so proud of their ability to not eat, to push it off, to suffer for a goal that they become truly delusional and they can't see from the outside world, but it's so painfully obvious to everyone else. So I said, I recognize that in myself. Mm -hmm. I understand how my discipline can take me down a path that is either positive or it can spill over into the negative. So I said, as somebody who recognizes that about themselves, I'm going to give you the keys and say, if ever, like, I'm just going to trust you. I know that there is a potential where I cross over into an area where it's no longer actually moving me towards right. anything that's positive. So you just tell me. You be my sanity check. Right. If you ever tell me, hey, you're taking it too far, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to go, okay, cool. Then And I'll stop here. Sanity check. That's a nice yeah. phrase. So that having that is is very important. Right. So. Yeah, we need like a, a nice simple phrase. Sanity That's check. what we use, sanity check. Yeah, like it doesn't carry the weight, but yes. Yeah. So in knowing that, I, you had reminded me like, hey, look, we had discussed that your emotions are going to start to change. Um, you need to like trust me or do you trust me? Because if you do, then you need to know that I've got your best interest at heart. And if I have your best interest at heart, um, when I say like, babe, this is an emotions this is your emotions, know that I'm not using that to defend myself. Like the goal is to get to um, a, a place where we 
can fix this. And so because you have shown in the past that you don't defend yourself, right? You always admit when you're wrong. You admit if you've messed up or if you've said certain things or whatever, like you're, you're very open to that and you've proven that in the past. So if I know that about you and right now in this discussion, no matter how right I feel about my emotions, I need to turn around and acknowledge that maybe it is my, um, the chemical imbalance in me and then I have to kind of let go. And when we had that discussion, even though, again, I felt like, no, this is real to me, it's real in what my brain is telling me is real versus what actually is happening. And so, yeah, I walked away from that discussion and I just said, okay, well, I know he loves me, right? The questions I always ask myself. I know he loves me. I know he cares for me. I know he always wants the be- what's best for me and what's best for our relationship. And I know he never defends himself when he knows he's wrong. So putting all these together, it was really weird and hard to go, you know what? It must be my emotions and it must be uh, right now some chemical imbalance that I'm going through. Um And that kind of just then let me bring my defenses down. And I think that you then saw that I was willing to um, fix it and willing to open up and be vulnerable. And because that becomes very vulnerable when you do that, where you just say like, oh, I can't trust trust what my brain is telling me. Like that's a very um, scary acknowledgement. And I think because I trust you so much and because we've got so many years of experience, um, of trusting each other and know that we're not using it against each other for our own selfish benefits. Yeah, I, um, it was such a powerful lesson that I learned. And so, yeah, I just really wanted to talk about it. Yeah, so the title of the episode is How to Stop Yourself from Acting Crazy. And I think that um, it, so from my perspective, it's not a scary thing to admit. It is very weird. And the reason that it's weird is because in that moment, you feel justified. It feels real. And this is something that I talk a lot about is I don't trust my emotions. Like I don't have, I don't distrust them. I just don't have an inherent trust of them. I have an emotion and I say, okay, is this going to help me? Is this going to serve me? Is this the direction that I want to be going in? And if it's not, then I don't indulge it. I recognize it. I say, okay, cool. I have this emotion, but am I going to continue down this path? Yes or no? That is a choice. So I can't necessarily choose to have the feeling the emotion is going to be what the emotion is going to be. Mm. And going back to when I was really like going hard to get lean and I just wanted to keep doing it through diet. It's, I find it way easier to not eat a meal than I find to do cardio. And you kept pushing me to do cardio instead of um, cutting, your meals. cutting my meals. And that was really pissing me off. And it was like, look, I've, that what you're asking me to do, I hate, is hard. And the thing that I'm doing is nice and easy. And so for you to go, one, it's very important to recognize you have to let the person like really go deep into crazy land before you say you're being crazy. I just want to be really, really clear about And by that. the way, do not use the word crazy. I'm, I'm saying when you're talking to your partner, don't say you're acting crazy. When talking to your partner, I was about yes. to like diatribe on you about people being overly sensitive about words. But yes, because let me tell you, partner, you want someone to sure, put your defenses up. Yeah, you're not bring them to the place where you feel Correct. like they need to be. You're actually pushing them away. Correct. So yeah, when if you say like, "Why are you acting crazy?" like that would have de that would have escalated the emotion, not no de escalated question. the emotion. No question. So you need to let them go into crazy land without (laughs) calling them crazy, but you need to let them go really like deep into it where you know, okay, this isn't like 
I'm not just being overly sensitive right. to where they're at. Like they're definitely, and the way that I think about it is I have so much history with you. Like I know when you're acting outside of your normal mm-hmm, frame of behavior. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, wow, this really isn't like her. And then it's like, Jesus, this really isn't her. And then about the third Jesus, I'm like, <laughs> okay, now's where we very delicately broach it. And having planted that seed earlier to say, look, I'm, it's very predictable what you're about to go mm. through. So, and now like we're in that zone. And to, to talk through, look, when you feel an emotion feels very real, I know you feel justified. And I'm not even saying that I haven't done myriad things wrong that have gotten a re and by wrong i mean have gotten a reaction from you that i'm not looking for Mm -hmm. made you feel a way that Mm -hmm. i don't want you to feel right i want you to feel protected secure loved all of those things so clearly like even just to acknowledge that given your current state the way that i'm reacting to the situation the way that i'm handling you treating you it's not getting the reaction that I want. So I fully own that. Mm. Now, having said that, we are getting into the point where your reaction is atypical. And I think we have to factor in the fact that you um, have gone off the pill and that that's framing things for you. And that these are like, that's not a quote, but that's essentially exactly what I said. Yeah. I wasn't like, bitch, you're acting crazy. <laughs> um, it, you know, to your point, like that would have just been ridiculous yeah. and would not have gotten in any of either of us where we wanted to go. So that's really important, but you have to let, you can't just be like the second you're like, I detect something is off that you say, oh, you're, you know, you're acting off. This is all because of that. It's like, you really, you need to leave a pretty significant buffer before you jump in with that. Yeah. And that's interesting because that's something you did again, that's actually very powerful. It's like, yes, it's my emotions. Yes. It's my hormones, right. That are, um, allowing me to feel like this and steering me in that direction but it wasn't just like okay it's your emotion so you deal with it you're like look this is real like you said it is an actual um thing that you're encountering so even if it's an imbalance we need to still address that it's happening so what can i do and this is what you said to me so what can i do to help with as you go through this transition period, it wasn't, it's an imbalance, so you need to get your shit together, right? It was, this is the reason, but let's fix it together. And knowing that we were in it together, feeling supported that you weren't just then judging me for being like, I can't believe that she got upset over that, right? It was like, okay, you got upset over that. Let's talk about it. Um, It is because of your emotions, but what can I do differently to help you get through it? And that was, again, like such a the right way to respond because I didn't feel like I was alone. I didn't feel like, um, you know, cause I am then trying to work on centering myself, bringing my emotions, telling myself like, look, this isn't normally you, <clears throat> you know yourself better than that. You know, your husband better than that. But still when you do it alone, it's not as, um, it's not an, as easy. But now let's have the real conversation. Yeah. When you're, acting crazy you do need to acknowledge i'm acting crazy and i do need to get my shit together like that yes people so i love that you focus on what the other person should do and how to facilitate that and all of it but one of the most important things about people to understand in a relationship is at the end of the day you've got to take ownership at the end of the day you've got to be doing the work at the end of the day the person that really has to get it together is the person that's going through that hard thing and when you don't do that like for instance when i used to get So I've said this a thousand times. I don't get angry easily. 
But when I get angry, then I stay angry. And that was a hard thing in at the beginning of our relationship. And I thought, this isn't helping. This doesn't serve me. And so I need to be able to get out of this situation. I didn't put that on you. I said, I need to do something to make sure that not only is it hard to make me mad, but that once I get mad, it's measured in seconds, not even minutes, certainly not hours. Mm -hmm. And so... I put in that effort. You did the work this time of saying, hey, I get it. I can't just intrinsically or inherently trust my emotions. I need to process through this. I need to build a path to getting where we want to go. Um, that's really, really important. Right, yeah. Right, so we've probably gone pretty deep okay. on this. But then taking that into then this question about communication and tactics, I really do believe one of the most powerful things couples can do is learn from the past, right? It's like riding a bike. Okay, you get on the bike, you fall off, you go, oh shit, what did I do wrong? So then you adjust your foot position, you adjust your balance, like you keep adjusting until you can ride the bike. And I kind of think of that as like in our relationship where it's like, we've been together for 17 years, we're married for 15. All the things that we know about each other, all the things that we learn needs to be taken into account when moving forward. So if you know, for instance, that someone gets anxious when um, the, the family comes over, I don't know, just pulled that out, but Let's say someone gets anxious whenever their in-laws come over. Um, As the other half, recognize that in the past, they felt anxious about their partners, their in-laws coming over. Sit with them and go, what can we do differently? How can I assist in you not being anxious? Or saying like, instead of pretending it's not going to happen this time, like, oh, this time I really hope that my wife or my husband doesn't get anxious because my in-laws or because the in-laws are coming. Sit down and go, this is a pattern This is something that happens in the past. So instead of just waiting till we get there again and then dealing with it, like what are the things that we can do to know not to get there like next time? And then if you keep doing that, right, because you're never, I don't think you're ever going to get it like right off the bat. I think that it has to be learning and adjusting and training in essence, like at the gym. So keep doing it. Keep talking with your partner about how to change things, what the other person can do to support you when you're going through this. If you know it's going to be anxiousness or stress or whatever, talk about it. Figure out what each other can do to help. Then when when it happens, I'm sure at some point something's going to go wrong or not I'm sure, but, you know, there's nothing's ever going to be perfect. So once that occasion happens, then sit down again after and say, okay, we thought we had it down pat. We thought we had a system or I thought I, you would explain to me how to support you, but I don't think I did a good enough job. What can we do next time? And then keep improving instead of repeating the same problem over and over. Like if it's predictable, then adjust accordingly. And so like with the pill, where you felt like it was very predictable, we discussed the fact that it was predictable. And going into it actually helped me get back out of it because you had said it was predictable. Otherwise, I don't think I would have gotten there as quickly because I I think I would have pushed back a bit on the emotion thing. But because you had literally said it before I even got off the pill, I remembered it and I went back to, oh yeah, he actually said that in, we call it our sober moments, right? Where it's like before anything's actually happened and you're not reacting on emotion, that, um, yeah, do it in your sober moments because it really, really, really helped me recognize it when I was feeling it. Mm, Push ways. So... All right. So guys, if you're watching, please do submit some uh, questions and we're going to get to them. So we'll jump into, uh, I guess, the next question. Um, All right. So this question comes from YouTube from Apartment 1D. (laughs) 
kind of fun name. Um, I'm in a relationship and we are possibly on our way to ending it. I'm wondering if there, are, there is a difference between enforcing boundaries and creating ultimatums. Um, yes. Like those don't seem like the same thing to me. So... Uh, really? Yeah. They, they seem like the same kind thing Kind of, yeah, I get what they mean. Like my like bound... cross this boundary and all, you know, if you cross this boundary again, I'm leaving you, like that kind of thing? I guess, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. So it is very different. You've got the boundary and then you've got the consequence for the boundary. They are very different. And so, man, like for me to, if somebody has such like disrespect for where your boundaries are the problem is the disrespect it's not mm -hmm. about ultimatums it's about let me walk you through how it makes me feel when i articulate very clearly in fact and i would start from ownership so here is the boundary that i'm trying to create um have you understood that because if i'm not mm -hmm. being clear then help me understand and let me explain why I want to do this. So I'll use one from the beginning of our relationship. You said, under no circumstances will I give up my friends. And I like never having been in a relationship like long-term before, like, okay, it, that so wasn't a worry for me. Like I wasn't looking for you to give up your friends. I and never... I also meant male friends because I have my friend Theo. Hey, they, um, where I'm really close to him. Right. And we were telling each other we loved each other. I mean, he was like one of my, you know, best, best friends. So just put him. Yeah. More so I was like, OK, like that's not that wasn't weird. That wasn't a problem for me. So um, but that was like a really clear, delineated boundary for you. So there was clarity in it. I mm -hmm, understood mm -hmm. you explained why you were putting that line in the sand. And then I had a choice. I could either respect that and go, hey, yeah, no problem. So that later down the line, if it did start to get weird for me or whatever, I could hearken back. Like she was very clear about this. Um, but that gives us a jumping off place to talk about like, okay, there's your line. I understand it. you've articulated it very clearly. Here's how that makes me feel like process through that to get to either like, okay, we have a clash of values. And if you have a clash of values, that's a whole nother thing because even you and I to this day have clashes of values mm. where something that you think is important and just like I have been unable to convince you that it's not important or vice versa, right? right? So you either have to learn how you compromise around that or it becomes the thing over which you say we just cannot continue to be together. But to not be able to articulate it to the point where you say, oh, we have a collision of values. This is like the thing... This isn't a blind thing that you're stumbling forward on. It's not something you read in a book and therefore you do. Like, this is something that you really value in your life. No matter what I say, that's going to remain true and vice versa. So when you start putting ultimatums on, if you haven't gotten to the point where you've both articulated like in a really calm, mm. sober, simple and direct way that's respectful of the other person and, and get to the point where it's like, okay, we have a collision of values. This doesn't make sense to move forward anymore. If you haven't gotten to that point and you're just throwing out ultimatums as like a way to get their attention, mm. which is essentially what it sounds like they're doing. Or like a threat a, almost. Yeah, but why threaten, right? You're threatening because you don't feel like they're listening. You don't feel like you're getting what you want. And so it's like, I'm going to take this thing mm. that you care about, theoretically, being in the relationship, and I'm going to slap you in the face with it to get your fucking attention and be like, hey, you know, listen, like you, it is an act of aggression at that point because you mm. feel unheard, you feel neglected. You may even want to hurt them 
to because they've upset you. But now we're like in lash out territory. Right. We're not in like, hey, we're both calm. We can talk about this and articulate our position. And what I find is people often don't understand their emotion, but they trust their emotion. So going back to my earlier statement mm. that I don't have any grand sense that my emotions know what they're doing. So it's like, I have this emotion. I'm going to do the work first to identify it. If I can't identify it, I'm certainly not going to lash out at you. And every time you're having what we call the T argument, that's where your, your emotion is centered around, in our case, a cup of tea. But it's not about that. Fine. But until you can stop paying attention to the emotion over the cup of tea and really get to what, what are we actually like arguing about here? What's that deeper level mm -hmm. thing? Take the time, articulate it to yourself. Once you can articulate it to yourself, then you should be able to explain it to the other person, have a calm and rational discussion, and get to the point where it's either like we've transcended behavior, which is probably what the person is drawing a line around, and gotten to values. Mm. And that's where <clears throat> things really become useful. So when somebody says that, is there a difference between the boundary and the ultimatum? Yes. And the fact that you haven't gotten to that difference is probably why you're having trouble. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start, run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you, back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, that was a really good answer, babe. Thank you. And one thing I want to add is I think boundaries change, right? As you grow, as you change, as certain things become more important to you, less important to you, um, I do think that those boundaries can change. And I think it's then important to articulate that instead of going, well, when we got together, these were the boundaries. And then feeling like, oh, well, I can't, you know, because some people say, well, that wasn't what you were like when we first met. It's like, well, no. I've grown, I've changed. And I think it's important to not feel ashamed or embarrassed or hold back on articulating how your boundaries have changed. Oh man, you're, I'm sorry to jump in with no, this. No, go. Guys, 
if there are any film buffs, TV show fans, comic books, anything like that, media, if you extract meaning from that, we just talked about this in our review of Only the Brave. Mm. Um, so go subscribe only if you're a fan of that stuff over on Impact Theory Studios on YouTube. But literally that in the movie, which you haven't seen, and this is where my heart breaks a little, that on this stuff we don't always line up on what we want to go see. Mm. Um, you actually, I think, would like Only the Brave. If for no other reason, spoiler alert, sort of, they have like an argument, the two of the main characters have an argument about that. Like, he was like, you knew who I was when you got into this relationship. And she was like, yes, but you have changed me. Like, being in this what? relationship, you... Like, I've let my guard down. I let you in, is what mm -hmm. she said. I let you in, and you changed me. And I thought, I have the chills. I thought, wow, what a great way to explain That's it. actually so interesting, because so many people, we get asked a lot, right? Like, if my significant other doesn't want to grow, like, I'm growing, and, like, how do I make them grow or help them grow? And then I think that sometimes maybe, well, I'm kind of making this up, but I think when people do change and their views change and their opinions change, other people immediately go back to, but you weren't like this. So if you, for instance, in fact, I can't, God, what was it? I'm not going to waste time thinking about it. But I, I remember like I was growing and changing and you had said to me, um, something, oh God, I can't remember what it was. It was amazing. Yeah, it was though. amazing. Um, <laughs> And it was kind of like, I, in, as we were talking, I was saying, yeah, I used to think like this. And yes, I used to do that. But to be honest, now that's not me. And I'm not like that anymore. And I think it's important to address. So but the takeaway message is, if your boundaries have changed, if your expectations change, if, you know, whatever communication you guys have had from the start of your relationship, you have to keep talking because things are going to change and alter. So if my boundaries have changed, I need to tell you that they're changing. Um, A, prepare you for it and just say, hey, I used to be okay with this. Or, you know what, I never used to like this, but now I do. 100 I think that's important. Um, all right, we've got some shout outs. We've got Harris Nabugati from Kazakhstan. Wow. Go amazing. Kazakhstan. I know that's so awesome. Um, Mashira Krigui. I'm so bad with names. I apologize, guys. You probably should just write in your name just so that you, you can like, like hear how, how bad I can uh, <laughs> pronounce it. <laughs> from Nairobi, Kenya. Nice. And then Jenny Sveland from Utah. All right. Wow. From Thank Nairobi you. to Utah. I know. I like That's that. cool, right? That's... Kazakhstan, Kenya, and Utah. I like it. Love it. Um, okay, so this question comes from Facebook from Justin Damien Furness. What if one partner is always doing self-development and making an effort to communicate and the other person is just not interested and always critiquing the other after 15 years of marriage? What strategies can be put in Whoa, place? Talk about a curveball. Um, is this our most frequently asked question? It's got to be. Yeah. One of us is into development and the other is not. Yeah. And what do you do? Now, normally this is... Go ahead. Just because I get it. Like, it would be tough. Like, it takes so much time, energy, and focus to work on yourself and to work on bettering yourself. And it's it can be all-consuming, right? Because it's every thought you have. It's every action you take. Like, you have to really work on changing it. And when you put that much time and effort and the person you love so much that you've been together, you've got so many memories with so much history and you love them. But as you start growing, things start to, like, um, fork in the road. Like, that is tough. So I really do get why people struggle with it. Because mm -hmm. what do you do? Like, 
you don't want to give up your growth. So what do you do, Mr. Billy? Yeah, it's very, so at the beginning of the relationship, it's very, very easy. And I right. would, I would now, given where I'm at and my own development cycle, I would not be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't have a growth mindset or at Already. least. Already. Yes, correct. Or doesn't at least say, I want a growth mindset and I'm willing to do what it takes to get there. Because now what you're looking for is leverage, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in the 15-year the um, relationship, but you need that leverage. And if you don't have a point of leverage, like this is going to end really badly. And now here, the reason that it's so, so dangerous in a 15-year relationship is this concept that you and I have that we call the dust has begun to settle, right? So mm. in any like issue between you and I, we always make sure we get to the root issue. We clear all the dust so that you're not holding on to something, that you're not bringing something up from two or three years ago or God forbid 15 years ago mm -hmm. that you didn't fully let go and letting go of stuff, really letting it go is one of the, it's like the relationship superpower. If you can't let something go, that dust begins to settle. So they've got 15 years, just knowing what I know about people, there's dust in the relationship for sure. Oh, 15 years Now sure. you have like no, A, you don't have leverage. B, the person, at least as they wrote it, is essentially heckling them, to use my words, yeah. on that and they're you know, going through this. this is always critiquing, not interested. Right? So, yeah. And the reason I use the word heckle is critique sounds highfalutin and reasonable. Heckling is what a dickhead does. So once you get, you know me, I love binary. It's good, it's bad. Love, hate. Like, And I don't live there. It's just you have to put things into one camp or the other to get clarity. So heckling, it is bad behavior because it is not effective. It puts the other person's defenses up. So like when you've got both sides with their defenses up, and by the way, the other person is criticizing because I'm sure they have felt heckled. And yeah. so it's like both people go. have their guards up. The person who's going through the development is probably making them feel really shitty about the fact that they're not and using that against them. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh God. So like... It's all defenses all the time. Everybody feels judged and unloved. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, how do you, and here's what you would actually have to do. I would say, let's say I'm the development one. I'd be like, I bet I make this person feel horrific. And the reason that they're criticizing me is because I've made them feel some kind of way. And that some kind of way is not great. Taking and so ownership. I'm, I'm going to take ownership 100%. Yeah. And I'm just going to say, look, I have the chills. I really want to have the primary goal of this relationship to be to make you feel better about yourself when you're with me than when you're not. Period. And I'm just Can going you just to say that again? Because that to me is one of the most powerful things, powerful things in a relationship. To me, it is literally the barometer by which you should judge the health of your relationship. Does the other person feel better about themselves when they're around you than they so do when good. they're not? So, and the reason that I say that is I, I wouldn't be in a relationship with all of its compromises and all of that if that weren't true. Mm. Like that seems like the only payoff that's worth. That you feel better about yourself when you're around me. Correct. Yeah. Like why else would I do this? Right. So, but really, like I, I actually don't understand. Yeah. Like when I look at people that are in um, emotionally abusive relationships or just toxic, right? It's just toxic. You're not having a good time. I don't understand why you would give up all the things you have to give up if that person doesn't make you feel better about yourself, by the way, mm -hmm. entirely selfish. Mm -hmm. But you do. And so for me, it is like, 
it's such a no-brainer to sacrifice whatever I need to sacrifice for the health of this relationship because it makes me feel better about myself. And I just love it. Like intrinsically, no one has to convince me or anything. So anyway, we're going to agree that that is the main goal. If we can't agree on that, there's just so much danger, like immediately seek therapy Mm -hmm. or break up. But assuming that we can agree on that, then it's like, all right, let's lower our defenses. Let's really hear each other and figure out like, A, where did we go wrong? So we're going to have to do, in fact, is Casey listening? Chase, because I don't think she is. We write this down. We need to do um, on Impact Theory Studios, we need to do a review of Unbreakable. Yes, Unbreakable. That's it? Yeah. The M. Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah. Okay, Unbreakable. (laughs) Didn't seem right. Um, The Relationship. Because that, like, the relationship at the core of that movie, they, they're essentially about to get divorced. And they work backwards to figure out, like, where, where did this start going wrong? And I found that so powerful for them to both confess the first moment where they thought this relationship might not last. Mm. So getting back to, like, where... Did it stall? Right. Where did that real unraveling begin? Get back to that, like, in this case, it sounds like, where did I begin to make you feel judged? Like, and, oh, God, going back to what you were saying earlier about, like... This stuff is predictable. So I would go into the conversation, one, ownership, two, predicting like that I have made this person feel bad. Like it's so predictable. So growth mindset tends to lead to being an evangelist. And so you want like you've gone through something amazing. You want other people to go through it, but they're going to feel judged because essentially what you're saying is I found something amazing. The way I am is awesome. The way you are sucks. You're not good enough and you haven't figured it out. Correct. And if if you really have a growth mindset, you know that the other person probably has a fixed mindset. If you have a growth mindset, you're not judging them for that. Yeah. And if they have a fixed mindset, you know that they feel judged. So it's like, but this is all predictable going into it. So I'm going to ownership, predictability, and say, I'm going to guess that somewhere along this path, I've made you feel judged. And I can't imagine anything less likely to make you feel better about yourself when you're around me than when you're not, than you thinking I'm judging you. And so I just want to drop all that. Like, I want you to know I love you right now today, exactly who you are. And I want to know like what you want to Like, what would I need to do for you to really feel truly loved? And by the way, if you have a growth mindset and you're committed, keep in mind, I started this whole thing by saying I wouldn't be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't Mm -hmm. have a growth mindset. But if you're in a relationship with somebody that doesn't have a growth mindset, you do and you're committed to the relationship, you need to understand this is a multi-year endeavor to to like Hmm. truly help them find the joy in having a growth mindset and not feel judged all along the way. So it's going to involve a lot of listening, making sure that you really understand where they're at, and then just them seeing that it's actually taking you to a better place. And by and the why, way... And why that's good for them. Definitely. Right? Because let's face it, as humans, I think we can't help but think about like, how is this good for me and how does this benefit me? And so if their their growth mindset is actually improving that other per- their partner's lives, then I think that could be encouraging like all this, like this one thing that you used to like always get upset over or one thing that I always did that like really annoyed you or you felt, you know, neglected. Look, I'm changing. Like the knock-on effect is now you're benefited from, from it as well. No question. And um, if you really are trying to get better and 
own that, like showing up to every discussion, argument, whatever, with like looking for ways to take ownership of that. Mm. It's not going to, in the first six months, you're just going to feel like you're getting the shit kicked out of you because the other person will take advantage of that. Mm. And so a predictability. So know that if they have a fixed mindset, they're looking to be right, to feel smart, all of that. Cause they believe that their talent and intelligence are fixed traits. And so life is just about maximizing your emotional response to whatever hand you were dealt. Mm. So you know that that's how the person is going to respond. So just know that this is going to take a very long time and that in the beginning, they're just going to take advantage of it. But you have to believe that over time, A, you'll actually get better. So you really will be improving emotionally. Your ability to listen, all of that is going to be improving. And they'll begin to thaw and realize, wow, they're not judging me. They're actually looking at themselves. If anything, they're judging themselves and trying mm -hmm. to get better and improve over time. They're not trying to convince me this is my big thing. I was always trying to convince you you were wrong so that I didn't have to feel badly because I hated that feeling so much that if I could just convince you to see things my way, then I wouldn't have to feel bad about making you feel bad. Feel bad yeah. And so once you let go of that and like really take the ownership of, whoa, I made her feel badly about herself and that was not my intention. All right. I could keep going on this one, but I'm going to stop. Yeah. Um, all very powerful takeaway messages. Nice. Yeah. I had a million things to add, but you kind of covered everything. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and just and, and empathize. I think put yourself in their shoes. Um, one thing that people talk about a lot and that I've heard a lot is like, let's say when one person starts going on a diet, right, or starts like working on their physique, like, okay, you know, I really want to change. I want to change the way I eat. I want to go to the gym more. And then the partner doesn't join in, right? That friction that then starts of one person really trying to improve and the other person kind of staying where they are. Um, I think ends up causing a problem because the other person starts feeling like, oh, you don't love me now. Like I'm not good enough for you just because now you've got this new hobby or whatever. They'll try and write it off. So I think if you can be empathetic to the other person and understand what they're going through, why they're reacting like that, because if they're criticizing, why are they criticizing? You just said it um, earlier, is that they're trying to do it to protect themselves. Um, and so I think that, you know, because then they have to look upon themselves and say, well, I'm not good enough. Instead of saying, wow, this is something I can improve on, which are two very different mindsets. Um, so if you can understand why at least they're acting like that, I think that that helps when you do start talking about it. So, yeah. Okay, next question. Um, question from Facebook from Mia Lavoie. I feel more authentic when I'm with my boyfriend, but less of my sexy self because he doesn't like me to wear makeup and isn't one for compliments when I get dressed up to go out. On the other hand, when I feel like I'm dating my best friend, on the other hand, I feel like I'm dating my best friend. Sexy romance or familiar familiarity and friendship. Oh, I don't think you have, if you have to choose, I think there's a problem. Man, like, I hate to be the guy beating the, the hammer of um, movies and TV shows today, but... Have you seen Singles, the Cameron Crowe movie? A long time ago. They, they touch on this. And um, uh, there's so many words that she's using that depending on which way you interpret them, it, it could be amazing. So if when she says dating my best friend, she means that like, hey, we have a red hot sex life and, and is my best friend and this is amazing, but doesn't necessarily enjoy me um, you know, dressing up and putting on makeup, which is not his thing for whatever reason. Like he's more into like, let's say laid back natural beauty. And so he's lavishing her with like praise and attention. Isn't one for compliments. Period. 
No, because isn't he doesn't it, isn't like me to. When he doesn't, I dress up, he doesn't like me to. Yeah, exactly. Because he doesn't like me to wear makeup and isn't one for compliments when I get dressed up to go out. Right. So, but imagine he is one for compliments when she just like wakes up oh, and she's okay, you know yeah, totally natural. True. And he's like, oh my god, like you look amazing and you light me on fire. So it is really hard to know the truth. So I'll just paint two scenarios. Scenario one. He makes her feel sexy, beautiful, all of that, just in a way that is unique to him, but, but doesn't... But not how she interprets. Or mm, it's... Not what she wants to... What makes her feel sexy. Right, that's a good point, yeah. So if that's true, then as long as... She, like, I think people need to feel attractive. Uh, guys and girls, by the way. So I think that's important. If she's not feeling that, then that aha uh -huh. like as you were saying like you don't have to choose there is a world where you can date somebody who feels like your best friend and they make you feel sexy and attractive and all of that so just know that it's not something that you have to give up now on the flip side if he never compliments never makes her feel beautiful or sexy run in the opposite direction yeah. as fast as you can yeah. like dating dating your best friend which eventually becomes your roommate yeah. is just like danger on the highest order. You can survive that maybe in the early days of your relationship, but humans just aren't wired for that. I, unless you're asexual, which by the way is a real thing. And so, hey, more power to you. Mm. Um, but unless you're both on that same page, like that seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So I think um, feeling raw sexual attraction is absolutely critical. Yeah, because for me... Um dressing sexy so we went away this weekend we went out to a club and I dress sexy and I put on like red lipstick and I did my hair and I put like you know really made an effort and it makes me feel a certain way so I want that right I want to feel good about myself I want to have um healthy self-esteem and if I was always walking around in my pajamas even if you didn't care I would feel something about myself. And so I absolutely, I don't just dress for you. I dress to make myself feel a certain way. And if I didn't do that, or if I didn't get a positive response for you, from you, or you were just like, I don't like it when you dress like that, that would be a real problem for me. Because these are the tools and tactics I use to give myself self-esteem, to make myself feel good about myself. Because I can't just rely on you, right? If I just always got my self-esteem based on whether you were giving me compliments or not I think that's a disaster I have to work on that by myself um I can't rely on you for that solely I absolutely look at you for that but not solely and so there are times where like I even painted my nails red like I wanted to feel a certain way so I I do things for myself to make me feel that good so yeah if you were just negative towards that all the time that's not something that I could give up um because it leads to something, right? If it's, it may seem simple and um, basic at first, like just so don't dress sexy. Like if he still loves you, he loves you. But to me, there's a knock-on effect. And like I said, I use it as a tool to make myself feel a certain way. And if I didn't have that, now you're kind of asking me to be something or someone I'm not. And then I think that causes trouble. Yeah. So, um, oh, and um, Mia replied saying, not a big, Big, not big on compliments, period. LOL. Oh, um, so, LOL. The, well, I know. Well, the question is, is um, has she even, has, has she had a discussion with him, right? Because me and you, we always say communication. Like, have you, Mia, actually said to him, like, look, this is how I feel. And when you don't give me compliments, is it because you're not thinking it? Or you're, like, 
For instance, you're always busy, always. So there'll be times you won't even think about something. That doesn't mean that you, if I didn't bring your attention, like, babe, look over here, like, what do you think of this? You wouldn't be like, oh my God, that's amazing. But I don't take it personally that you may not notice. So is it that he just doesn't notice or is it that you've discussed it with him and he really is adamant and just doesn't care? Like those are two different things Also, as well. so here's just a, a tactic. I'm going to assume that this guy is an amazing human being and he's, I mean, best friend is a big right, word Right, because she feels so comfortable with him. Super good yeah, dude, right? Yeah. So now we've established super good dude. There's a tactic that I had to realize early in our relationship where it wasn't enough for me to look at you and think like, whoa, she looks good. I had to externalize it. And I literally had to teach myself that to externalize, to really take the time. Every, every time I thought it at the most random weird times. And if it wasn't appropriate to say out loud, because we're in a group that I would shoot you a text mm -hmm. and be like, you look really good right now. Like yeah, for whatever been, reason, yeah. like whatever thing your hair, your boots, your shoes, your pants, like <laughs> the smile, your laugh. Like I would just externalize it, externalize it, externalize, externalize. Because it, one, good that I felt it, right? That's just, it's super protective of the relationship that I, I have that feeling. But then to marinate in the emotion for a little bit longer by externalizing it, saying it to you, writing it to you, that's also good for me and then most importantly, if I don't externalize it, you don't get to receive that and feel that. Now, mm. beauty is a transient thing. So let's all be very, very clear that this is a game of youth and that it changes and evolves as you go. And you've got to change and evolve with it so that you're not just prizing. But let me tell you, I'm going to be a sexy 80 year old. Right, right. It's exactly where I'm going. Mm. So you've got to like evolve that so that as you go and change, mm. it's like, that you find you as the person looking at the other person, find like the beautiful things in them that you continue to externalize mm -hmm. and attach yourself to those to marinate in those feelings. So, and that the other person that you can internalize that you're changing so that it becomes more about elegance and um, refinement as you get older and look and that may change as we actually age and I think, oh no, there actually is opportunities for something entirely different. But People need to understand that I'm not just saying, hey, you, it's all about finding somebody hot and or that you're talking about self-esteem from the perspective of, oh, you've got to feel sexy now. Like, that's not it. It's you've got to find those anchor points in you throughout your ever evolving life. Mm -hmm. um, but to feel it, externalize it, make the other person feel good about it is the critical path. Right. And I'm just going to also add to that, um, understand each other's love language, right? Like, so has she said hey, like when I dress like this, I'm actually looking for this. Now, I don't want you to fake it, but I like to feel sexy. And I like to think that um, you see me as being sexy because it makes me feel like this. So if you're thinking, oh, I'd love to hear it or, you know, because let's face it, if you say to me, baby, you look so beautiful, I'd be like, oh, like I'd be really touched. But if I said to you, baby, you look beautiful, you'd be like, huh? Right, like I know your language is... Um, Oh, you look strong or I was so curious to see if you'd get this right. Um, you're yeah, I mean, like I call you my hero. You're my knight in shining armor. Because 
And I use those words because I know what that makes you feel, right? It makes you feel like you're my protector and that's something that you pride yourself on. We've spoken many times about you being the alpha of the family. I want you to be the alpha. So when you act like the alpha, I want you to know like how I feel about that. So saying, um, you know, you're my knight in shining armor or you're my hero it's much more deeper on in my mind, right? It's like all these other things that kind of combine. But if I was like, oh, like your, mu- I guess your muscles, yeah, you'd like me saying that. So say, I don't know where hey, I'm going hey. there. Um, right, but just understanding each other's love language sure. and how other people interpret um, interpret and, things. And mad shout out to Vanessa Van Edwards. Love language technically is a little bit different. Like it's touch or yeah. words or, you know, whatever. Like that's the the language of love. But then also understanding like what are the things that that person values themselves for. Right. Right. So strength, beauty, intelligence, humor, like whatever mm-hmm. that thing is. And really want to reinforce what you said. It's got to be authentic. So you can't fake the funk. And by the way, if somebody, if you're in a relationship with somebody that doesn't find you attractive, run. Like, that's a bad place to be. Yeah. All right. We've got a YouTube question from L. Liam. How do you deal with wanting time alone and distance? Like being too close to someone, even if you love them, can be draining. How do you take time away without damaging the relationship? Man, this comes down to what they're really asking. So time away... Like, that sounds scary. Like, if you said, baby, I need a break, I just need yeah. a month off. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, I'd be like, that, and, say and what? Look, <laughs> everybody's different. So maybe there there are people that love being in a long-distance relationship because it's sort of dip in, dip out. Right. And, you know, they have massive swaths of time where they're not together. Right. So we're very much going to answer this from our perspective, Correct. which is, like, for me, there is absolutely no substitute for proximity. Like... We started as a long-distance relationship, but the entire beginning of our relationship was predicated on how do we get back together physically and spend time together. So, But then to hopefully answer the question she's asking, we have selfish time every week. So every week we have time where we come together and then we have time where it's like whatever the other person wants to do completely selfishly that they can do that. Mm. So, and that's critical. And it's, you know, uh, an hour here, a couple hours there. It's, you know, it's not days and days at a time. Um, but the important thing to note is because that's not what we want. Like we actually want to spend time together. And so, yeah, this, this one I can just tell, like we're answering very much from our perspective Mm. and I won't say that it's universal. Um, but I will say that, Everyone needs selfish time. I think that is universal. And everybody needs together time. The balance of that you're going to have to find for yourselves. Um, from my perspective, it seems insanely dangerous to want a very significant amount of time. It just doesn't seem um, relationship protective. And I think you need to ask yourself, um, is it distance from that specific person? Or is it just you need space from people right. because you're feeling smothered and you're the type of person that needs to process things by yourself? Because I think that's important. So like, for instance, a lot of the time you want to talk things out. And sometimes when I'm either like my emotions are too raw or I, I just, I know that I can't articulate what I'm feeling. Like I will say to you, I just need space. You know, it's um, so interesting. That is beyond misleading. But what's fascinating is I think you actually believe that. Oh, oh, what do you mean? So it's not that I want to talk things out. It's that I want to solve the problem. You want to solve, yeah. And you want to understand right exactly, yeah. <laughs> like I want to solve the problem this instant. And you really want to understand like, okay, well, what is it? Like, tell me. But sometimes I haven't processed it yet. And that was actually a really good impression, which is precisely why you need to get space. Because I'm not saying that my, what, 
it is you're not delicate about it sometimes a hundred percent which is really stupid and a bad tactic so it's great that you're like i'm you know i'm emotional right now i'm gonna step away now i just want to solve the fucking problem but i've realized over time you know what when she says that let her go yeah because i'm going back to having no emotional sobriety i can predict even though this isn't how it feels to me i'm almost certainly in that like Let's just be done with this and solve this right, right now mode, which is not soft or gentle mm-hmm. or welcoming in any way, shape or form. It is all business. It's about deadly efficiency. And so probably best yeah. that we. And I mean, going back to kind of what we were saying at the beginning of the episode, which is about um, learn from mistakes of the past. Mm. It's like never have we ever got into an argument and it be like we've argued our each we've argued and pushed each other to the point of like solving it. It's usually like you have to bring your guard back down. You have to hear the other person. It's not like we're, we've got two opinions and we butt heads and then through the butting heads, we solve it. It's the, the separation of bringing down the guards. So for me, it's when I know like I can feel myself escalating, when I can feel like I want to like force my opinion on you or force my emotions and like really like, no, you're not listening. It never works out. Like I've learned that over the period of 15 years of our marriage. So I've really learned to go, Lisa, you know yourself well enough that this, there's no keep talking now. It's never going to resolve it. I know I have to bring my guard down. So I'm telling myself these steps that I need to take. And so in that moment, I just say, I hear you. I can't articulate myself right now. I just need time. And so I'll back away. And I think that that's important, understanding what you need in certain times. So with this person where they say they want distance, is it because they're just feeling smothered from people and they need to be alone? Is it that they're feeling smothered by this one person or that this one person never gives them what they feel like they need in these moments? Understanding that I think is really important. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a tricky one. Indeed. Um, oh, and it's 11 o'clock. I was going to say my internal clock is going off. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't expect it to come up, but for any movie fans, TV show uh, fans, all of that, be sure to check out Impact Theory Studios. We talk about some of these things. We should actually do a relationship theory episode around things that we've learned from movies, TV shows, that kind of stuff. Be a lot of fun. So if you're a fan of that, go check out that Impact Theory Studios on YouTube. Um, If you haven't already here, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.